times. Well, I'm excited today to continue our series out of 1 John. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 today. A couple of reminders before we jump in. You can go online to vinetrustful.com. That's where our connection cards and our giving are at. Uh, those of us joining us online, uh, you can jump over to our website to do connection cards and giving. If you're here in person, uh, there are blue connection cards at a lot of the tables as well. If you want to grab one of those. Our connection card is how we communicate with one another. It's also how we know what's going on in your life, uh, how we pray for you. So at the end of today's message, uh, after worship, well, actually we'll have another song of worship at the very end. After that, we'll go over uh, our connection card from there. And then giving, we do have uh, giving generosity envelopes in the back in the coffee area if you want to grab one of those. Uh, but mainly, most of our giving is done online. So, 1 John chapter 3, we're going to be in verse 11 through 19. Chase, I'm sorry, can you do me a favor and just give me a cup of water? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I should have got it beforehand. Uh, I forgot that whenever we do worship first and I belt out and sing on my own that I need some water before I jump up here and speak. So, uh, thank you, Chase, for doing that. We're going to be in verse 11 through 19 today. If you missed last week's message we covered the first three verses of 1 John chapter 3. And we dove deep into how we treat those who are not followers of Jesus. Now, today we're going to kind of transition, and we're going to talk a lot about not how we treat those who are not following Jesus, but what it looks like to treat those who are following Jesus. How are we called uh, to treat those in the family of God, whether that be the Vine Church family or another church family, that they attend somewhere else, they're part of some other family. Yeah, here, I'll just take it. Thank you. I need it, like, right now. Hmm. I can think of it. Well, yesterday, uh, my wife, Brooke, and I, we were working on our garage, and earlier this week, Brooke built a workbench for one part of our garage and a pegboard and stuff, and it's, it looks beautiful and wonderful. And so we got it set up down there and got it all cleaned up, got the trash cleaned out, you know, did everything we could to kind of get it ready to go. And then once it's finished, we're done with the project, I don't know, it's, 2.45, maybe 3 o'clock, 3.30, something like that. So we're about to, you know, just take a rest for the rest of the day, uh, that day. And, well, maybe it was a little earlier than that. But, but anyways, we're talking, and I said, yeah, now it's done. It looks beautiful. It looks great. And Brooke says, yeah, now don't you want to just start some projects? And I thought, didn't we just finish a project, you know? And then she said, no, this was just the pre-project so that we can do some projects. And I said, oh, of course, of course, I'm ready. And so I started listing the projects that I thought we should do next. I was getting excited about them. And then Brooke says, no, no, don't you remember there's this uh, first project, is th this box project that I'm going to do in the garage. And I said, uh, no, I don't remember what that is. And then, you know, uh, husbands, you know, every now and then you get that look from your wife, the look of, I've told you something 15 times and you still don't remember well, that was this look, and I said, I'm so sorry. I do not remember which box project you're talking about. Can you maybe give me a little bit, you know, more to go on? Can you explain to me? So she grabs her phone, pulls up Pinterest, and shows me the box project. As soon as, he, it's, as, soon as uh, she showed me the picture, it, I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. You, you've told me about that. I've seen that picture multiple times. Yes, I've heard about this many times before. I had just forgot. Well, today we open up. John, in verse 11, he writes something that we have all heard many, many times before. 
He's writing it to the followers of Jesus here. And they've heard this same thing over and over and over again. But there is this natural pull. There's this natural pull in our hearts in culture away from this idea. So even though we've heard it before, we so often forget. In verse 11, chapter 3, John writes, this is, the, this is the message. It's the same message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is not something new. This is not the first time you've ever heard this. It's not the first time the, uh, the people that John was writing to have heard this. He says, this is the same message. You've heard it before, yet we always need to be reminded. We should love one another. Now, last week we talked about uh, how we treat those outside the church. Here, John is specifically talking about the people inside the family of God. The brothers and sisters inside the family of God. He says, we should love one another. It's not only the message that God has been trying to communicate to his people from the beginning of time, but also Jesus told his disciples, this is how the world is going to know that we're followers of Jesus, by the way that we love one another. People should look at the way we love one another and say, oh, those people follow Jesus because they're so good at loving one another. Verse 12, he goes on. He says, we must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his own brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Verse 13, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Listen to this for a moment, my family. Church family. The world might hate you. The world might hate you. I personally don't like to be hated. I don't. I like it when people like me. You know? Uh, I, I did this uh, quiz earlier in the week we did at work, and it was like the different types of humor and it was going through different types of humor and uh, what, you know, how you view people. One of the questions was, do you, do you generally want people to like you? Do you strongly agree or strongly disagree? And I thought, who's going to answer strongly disagree? Like, maybe there's no people out there, but I'm not one of them. I was like 10 all the way. I strongly agree. I would like people to like me. But sometimes the world might hate us. See, here's the truth. There's some people that will see the way that we love each other, and they will be drawn to us. There will be some people that see the way that we love each other and they will be drawn to Jesus. They'll be drawn to this family. They'll be drawn to that love. But there will be others that see the way we love each other and they will be full of spite, full of envy, full of malice for the family of God. Now, we don't really understand this uh, in, in Western culture, like sometimes we think we do, because there's people that, you know, ridicule us or maybe call us names, or like we, we feel like we can't really show our faith. But to my knowledge, none of you who were in here were scared to drive here this morning for fear that you might be killed. All of my friends in watching online, to my knowledge, you aren't hiding in your basement with like NordVPN on, hiding your web traffic, so that if someone finds out you're watching a Christian service, you're going to be thrown into jail. We're not really scared for our lives. But over the history of Christianity, since Jesus was here, there, there have always been people around the world who were scared for their lives because they followed Jesus. Yes, really. Brooke goes, really? Yes. 
We don't experience that type of hate, but we, do, we can experience other types in our culture. Here's the thing is, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Here's this example. There's Cain and Abel. They're brothers. Abel did what was righteous, so Cain hated him because of it, and then Cain killed him because of it. So don't be surprised if the world hates you. He goes on. Verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Verse 16. It says, And we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. We, followers of Jesus, we understand what real love is. We understand what real love is. We know how to distinguish real love from fake love. Fake love is I'm doing something good for you so that you'll do something good for me. Real love is giving up what we have, what's important to us for the benefit of someone else and not expecting anything in return. We know what real love is and we know how to distinguish between real and fake love. Jesus gave up. He gave up his life for us. What does it mean to give up? It means to have something and then to let go of it and never expect it back. He gave up his life freely and willingly and never expected to give it to, to get it back and it be returned because he knew that his life needed to be given up so that we could live. He gave up what? His life. The most important thing he could possibly give is what he gave. The most important thing to us is our life. The most important thing, the most significant thing we have is our lives. It's not our money. It's not our possessions. It's, it's, our, it's us. It's our time, our energy, our very life. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So then he says, we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We, the world should know that we're followers of Jesus by the way we love each other. And he says, how do we love each other? By following the example of Jesus and giving up the most important thing we have, which is our lives, and giving it up for who? The brothers and sisters in the family of God. We're to love one another so deeply, so completely, that we willingly give up ourselves for other followers of Jesus. Verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Verse 18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Let us not just say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let's not love in word, but in deed. In what we do. We're to follow the example of Jesus. He gave up his life. His actions proved what real love is. His actions proved that he loved us. And that's how we are supposed to treat the other people in the family of God. Now, part of being a follower of Jesus is seeing, is seeing God's love revealed in us and through us. The very love of God is to be reflected in our lives. I mean, that's what we read just a moment ago in, in verse 16. Like, that's how we're going to know what real love is. That's how we're going to know that God's love is in us. How can we see that God, say that God is, God's love is in us if we hate anybody? But if we don't hate, if we have love, then that's God's love. 
as followers of Jesus, God's love is supposed to constantly be revealed inside of us, but also through us to other people. So John gives us uh, some pretty clear examples of what it looks like when God's love is revealed in us and through us. We're going to talk about four of those things today. Number one, if you're taking notes, God's love is revealed in and through us when we love other Jesus followers. God's love is revealed in us. God's love is revealed through us when we actively show that we love other Jesus followers. Now, notice I didn't say we love other Jesus followers who agree with us on every theological point. It's not we love other Jesus followers who attend the same church body, the church family, that are in the same family we're in. Here's the thing. Methodist, Pentecostal, Baptist, Presbyterian, independent, when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter at all. At all. We're not going to walk around with name tags that say, hi, my name is Nathan, and I'm a member of this denomination. No. No one's even going to care. And that Jesus doesn't care. It's all the same. So when he says we're supposed to love other Jesus followers, it's every Jesus follower. Anyone in any church family who's trying to follow Jesus we're to love them the way Jesus loved us. Too many, too many people who call themselves followers of Jesus treat other followers of Jesus like trash. The world is supposed to know that we follow Jesus by how we love each other. When they look and see other people who call themselves Christians bickering, fighting, hating with one another, they say, why would I want to be a part of that? We're supposed to love every Jesus follower. See, the love of God is not revealed in us. It's not revealed through us when we engage in petty arguments, when we focus on our differences, when we allow our differences to divide us. God's love is not revealed in us and through us. I mean, Paul writes all over the New Testament, don't engage in petty arguments, talking about spiritual pedigrees and myths. Like, it's just pointless. Yet we so often allow those things to divide us. Because God's love is going to be revealed in us. It's going to be revealed through us whenever we love other Jesus followers. You know, Griffin, our five-year-old, uh, he does something that's rather cute. But it's one of these things that when he does it, you, you have to stop yourself from laughing because you, it's, you know, it's disobedient, but it's hilarious. Griffin does this thing. Whenever he doesn't want to do something, he goes, mm-mm, I am not going to do that. So you say, hey, Griffin, go clean up the living room. Mm-mm, I am not going to do that. Say, well, yes, you are going to go do that. And then uh, when it, the worst is when he's trying, we're trying to get him to take medicine. You know, if he has a fever, he hates medicine. All the other kids took medicine fine. But Griffin, like, he just hates it. And we're like, I don't know why. But every time we're like, hey, Griffin, you got to take this. And he's like, mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm, I'm not doing that. I said, yes, you are. And then you force the medicine, you know, in his mouth. And then he spits it all over you. It's not fun. It's not exciting. I feel like we've, we've kind of moved past that the last few months, you know. Uh, but uh, it, it remains to be seen if he's okay with medicine. But he does, he goes, mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. Now, it, it's, it's funny and silly to think about, you know, Griffin, uh, talking that way to me. But as we approach this next point, I thought, what a great picture to have in our mind because it lightens the mood a little bit. Uh, But there's something that we need to refuse to do as followers of Jesus. 
God's love is revealed in us and through us when we refuse to do something. So we're taking notes, number two. When we refuse to hate. When we refuse to hate. God's love is revealed in and through us when we refuse to hate anyone who mistreats us. God's love is revealed in and through us when we refuse to hate anyone who disagrees with us. When we refuse to hate anyone who persecutes us. When we refuse to hate anyone who has stabbed us in the back, who has betrayed us, who has hurt us deeply in any way. God's love is revealed in and through us when we refuse to hate. Now, we're not doormats. We're not supposed to invite or allow abuse, but we must refuse to hate. We don't let people just walk all over us and do whatever they want, but even when they mistreat us, we refuse to hate. Jesus was mistreated. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was whipped with a cat of nine tails. Jesus was nailed to a cross. And as he's been nailed to a cross, in his final moments, hanging on a cross, bleeding profusely, he screams out, Father, forgive these people who have done this harm to me, for they don't understand what they're doing. He refused to hate the very people who nailed him to the cross. So many times, followers of Jesus, we carry around hate because of the pain of life. You know, right now, we're in this kind of, uh, I'll call it a heightened state of political conflict. Every single politician you disagree with is a human being. Every single politician that you disagree with is loved by God. They're a person we refuse to hate. We can hate policies. We can hate ideas, we can hate sin, but we never hate a person. We never hate an individual. We are to love people. Jesus did not allow insults, did not allow maliciousness, betrayal. He did not allow even evil itself to stop him from loving. Jesus did not allow insults, betrayal, or evil to cause him to hate. Jesus did not allow insults, betrayal, or evil to suffocate his grace, to quench his love. So many times we allow life's pains, life's betrayals to suffocate our love, to suffocate our grace, to suffocate our joy. God's love is revealed in us and through us when we refuse to hate anyone for any reason. We have to refuse to let life's pain cause us to be bitter. To grow old and bitter and mean and ugly. We have to refuse to hate. So when someone does something that is mean, they've mistreated us, I just want to remind you of Griffin. Whenever you're in that moment and you start to feel frustration and anger, creep up. You go, mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to let hate 
get me down. I am not going to allow myself to be bitter at other people, even when they're wrong, even when they mistreat me, even when they do things wrong that hurt my heart. See, God's love is revealed in us and through us when we take the example of Jesus who was beaten and nailed and said, God, forgive them. He loved them anyways despite their evil behavior. Number three, God's love is revealed in and through us when we show compassion to anyone in need. Whenever we show compassion to anyone in need. Verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well, sees a brother or sister in need, but doesn't show any compassion, how can God's love even be in that person? Let's not merely say we love each other. We have to show the truth by our actions. Well, what is compassion? Compassion is providing for someone's needs. When someone needs something, when we see someone in need, and we have the ability to provide for that need, compassion is taking whatever we can, our actions, and providing for that person's need. In the Gospels, multiple times, Jesus was walking around, and he saw people who were sick, and they were hurting, and it says that he was moved with compassion. And that word there, in the original Greek that was written, moved with compassion, it says there was a physical movement that happened inside of his body. There's a physical movement that moved his insides with compassion, and it compelled him so much that he had to act physically out of compassion for these people. And he moved with compassion, and he went and he healed the sick. They were in need. He could provide for their need, and by his compassion, he was so full of compassion that he couldn't not do something. I love how the, uh, the ESV says this, verse 18. You know, I've been reading out of the New Living Translation. This is, I love the ESV translation. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk. Let's not merely say we love each other. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let us love in word, or not in word, not just talking about it, but by our deeds and in the truth, with our actions. You know, uh, there's this funny phenomenon that happens in, on social media, especially whenever a tragedy takes place, whenever someone's going through a crisis and through a tragedy. And maybe you've done this in the past, and I am no way, like, you know, uh, uh, trying to throw you under the bus or anything. I just think it's funny because it's, it's just something our culture and our society decides to do, and it's just funny. But, like, whenever someone's going through a crisis... It's so common for someone to go on Facebook and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing my thoughts your way. I'm sending you thoughts. Cool? Thank you? Like, what does that do? What does that do? What does sending your thoughts someone's way do? Like prayer? Yeah, let's pray for people because we need to pray. Prayer is powerful. Thoughts? I'm sending thoughts your way. Like, I, I don't need your thoughts. Prayer, any other way, something actionable, some type of physical help maybe, anything. Thoughts, what is that? It's loving in word and in talk because it costs me, the person thinking of you, nothing. It costs me nothing. It doesn't cost me anything to say I'm sending thoughts your way. What that basically says is like, I see that you're in need. I don't really care enough to do anything to actually help you. So I'm going to think about you. Okay, that's a little harsh, Brooks. Give me that look. It is a little harsh. I'm just trying to make a point. I think it's funny. It's a funny phenomenon that we think this is going to help people. You know, and maybe, I mean, there's, you could make an argument that 
it does help to know that other people are in it with you and you're not alone. And I get that. I just think it's fun. But really what it is, it's Jesus says, let's not, let's not just love in word. Let's not love just with talking, but in deeds and in truth. Let's do something that's going to help someone, and that proves that we love them. God's love is revealed in us and through us when we show compassion. When we show compassion. Hey, Josh, could you go on one up and get ready for me? So uh, we're going to go through number four, and then after that we're going to take communion together. And then after we take communion, we're going to sing a song of worship uh, together at the end. But Josh is going to go ahead and come on up and play a little music behind us as we move from here into communion. Number four. God's love is revealed in and through us when we sacrificially give up anything important to us for the benefit of others. When we sacrificially give up anything important to us for the benefit of others. And a lot of times I try to make these points short and concise so you can write them down easy. But I couldn't really figure out a way to say this short and concise because all these things are important to understand. When we sacrificially, what is a sacrifice? It costs us something. It's not, if we give up something that's not important to us, if we give up something that, that we don't need, that doesn't mean anything, it's not a sacrifice. But God's love is revealed in and through us whenever we sacrificially give up something important to us, something that maybe we need or that we use or that it was important that we, we spent a lot on it or it cost us a lot of time or, or whatever it is for the benefit of others. Jesus gave up his life for us. His life was very important to him. And we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we are supposed to love our other brothers and sisters the way Jesus loved us, which is sacrificially giving up things that are important to us to benefit others. God's love is revealed in us Meaning we can know. When we see someone in need and we're moved with compassion and we help them, we know God's love is in us. God's love is revealed through us when we love in deed and in truth. When we refuse to hate those who mistreat us. Jesus' life was very important to him. And he gave it up for us.